I'm Carly Fiorina, and this is By Example. On this podcast, we sit down with leaders of all types to explore examples of real leadership and the qualities of all great problem solvers. I think we get really confused about what leadership is. On By Example, we lift up the real leaders, people who are focused on changing the order of things for the better and solving real problems that are right in front of them. Leading by example. Hello, and welcome back to another bonus episode. We've taken a break for a couple weeks, but welcome back to another bonus episode of By Example. I'm Casey Enders. I am the CEO of Carly Fiorina's Unlocking Potential Foundation, and I'm joined today by my colleague who's wearing today a bright uh, pink shirt. Yes. Hello, this is Jeffrey Deshaun. So nice to be back with you, Casey. And for those of you that may have forgotten in our um, hiatus, Jeffrey is the Managing Director and Director of Coaching at the Foundation. Yes. So we are very excited to be back online and on air. We've both taken um, a little bit of personal time and some exciting things. Jeffrey bought a house yes, <laughs> the last couple yes, weeks. Yes, yes, So exciting. <laughs> so overwhelming. So exciting and so overwhelming. That sounds exactly <laughs> right. Um, I took a little time in Guatemala with my fiance, Ooh. which was delightful. We saw a volcano um, erupt in real time, which was, I know, a super cool and different experience. So thank you all for bearing with us through these uh life events and changes, but we're very, very excited to be back and digging into leadership full time. Yes. And yet another amazing conversation. As always. So uh, my background, for those of you that don't know, is I worked for Carly on the campaign. So I will uh, show a little bit of what I don't think is particularly um, polite these days, but my political side, which is I actually resonate and have followed um, Arthur Brooks for a really long time, just on a political side. So his viewpoints on policy from a conservative angle, I've always followed. But what I loved about the conversation that Carly and Arthur Brooks had was it actually wasn't super policy based. And so I felt like I got kind of a whole new side of Arthur Brooks and um, heard him and Carly talk about leadership, about social capital, about bridging divides. And for those of you that haven't listened, we'll give just a one minute, two minute recap. But honestly, um, y'all should go back to your iTunes playlist and make sure you have an opportunity to hear that conversation in full because we simply won't do it justice yes, without it, a recap. It, and it is a by example conversation. Like, t- you, we can have these conversations, uh, different opinions, perspectives, um, and sharing just thoughts um, in a real grounded, uh, formulated, you know, with some data kind of driven kind of way. And it was awesome to hear Carly and him have this great conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And so very quickly, for those of you that haven't heard the conversation yet, again, go listen to it. But essentially... Um, Arthur Brooks wrote a book, I think, that is out this week, this week being the week of March 12th. And he wrote a book that is called Love Your Enemies, and it's about our culture of contempt. And he tells the story in the conversation with Carly about how he came to this perspective that we need to really take a step back from our culture of contempt today in which we view our enemies and sorry, we view people across the aisle or we view people different from us as enemies rather than finding empathy and humility to recognize the power and the difference and diversity. 
And so he tells that story and Carly shares her extensive experience, frankly, in building diverse teams and communicating across the aisle um, and applying those concepts of leadership and diversity in the work that she does, both with nonprofits and with for-profits. So, Jeffrey, there's obviously a lot to take away from this conversation, but I'd love to hear your aha moment from the conversation if you had to pick one. Oh, my goodness. There, there's so many. And it's interesting because you sort of talk about your familiarity with um, Arthur Brooks from the public policy and political space. I, I'll be honest. I have no familiarity <laughs> uh, sure, <laughs> sure. with Arthur Brooks. And so for me, it's actually quite refreshing and uplifting because everything I heard I loved. Interesting. And, um, and this from those of you that don't know, Jeffrey, decidedly <laughs> not conservative in his political bent. Sorry, I'm outing yes, you now. Yes, not on, not <laughs> not labeled as and known as a conservative. Mm-hmm. I've uh, publicly been affiliated with the Democratic Party <laughs> and, you know, real titled ways. And so, no, no, not at all. Um, but, you know, and that's the thing. It's like this recognition that we can acknowledge different perspectives And also find value in those differing perspectives. Um, It was just so just exciting for me to hear and particularly coming from someone that I'm finding out for the first time is, you know, is a conservative Mm -hmm. and sort of labeled as leader in that space. Uh, But then particularly how he talks um, about this, uh, this evolution that he's had um, in his mind around this culture of contempt and this lens that we see the uh, others, right, that are mm-hmm. different in sort of this adversarial way. Um, for me, kind of given my social work background, and so I'm just like, oh, yeah. yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, but particularly talking about my aha moment, the thing that stuck with me related to that is this frame that he talked about um, from his Bach quote oh, yeah. and the piece that took away from that, not the exact quote, but was the, are you refreshing your soul? Thinking about your work mm. when he was thinking about the work that he was doing, mm-hmm. you know, are in your work, are you refreshing your soul? And then I think the quote was referencing and serving God, but then they went on, uh, Arthur went on in the conversation talking to Carly, talk, the frame is, are you refreshing your soul and uplifting others, right? Through the work that you're doing. And that was so powerful for me because I think sometimes, that in our paid work and our volunteer community work, mm-hmm. whether that's political, whether that's around, you know, feeding the hungry, that we can get caught up in the politics, like the sure. people politics of any and all of it and lose ourselves. And in the losing of ourselves, how do we explain that? The easy way to explain that is the other. We point to the mm-hmm. enemy. We have to, that other person who's on the other side has to be the enemy, has to be the, the adversary. And then I thought, like, but why? Why? What are we actually questioning? What he, like, and what are, it drove me to this conversation was matchful with me because it got me to thinking about motivations. Um, and I think he talked a bit about, like, motivations. We automatically, because we're in that place, have this neg like that person has a negative motivation. Mm. Like they can't just have that public policy view, right? right that can't right. just be landed in like data or perspective around finance or economics. That that their motivation has to be to do harm to me. Mm. And I think mm-hmm. that's an extension of that sort of being you know, in that place where you see the other, somebody has a different perspective and opinion just in that adversarial way. And I think what we are questioning is their motivation. Um, And so, you know, that was an aha moment to me because for me, then you reflect back, well, if I'm questioning their motivation, well then 
do I know and understand my yeah. own motivations? What are the mo- what are the motivations that I have for the work that I'm doing, the volunteer work I'm involved with, the opinions that I'm sharing? What is my motivation? Because if my motivation actually also turns out to just be to win, self-promoting, to win, to be the dominant voice, those things, then, well, I've also ceded and contributed to this adversarial place. And so that conversation just took me on a journey from this place of asking the question of, are you refreshing your soul and uplifting others in your work? And what is it? What are some of those things that may have, have contributed to getting us to this place where we're locked in? Right. And this culture of contempt in this adversarial place. And it took me back to motivation. So let me ask you, Jeffrey, not to put you on the spot, but when you think about your motivation for the work that you're doing right now, when you work with nonprofit leaders in the community or, you know, in communities outside of your geographic home base, which is Washington, D.C., how do you think about your motivation in that Mm. context? It's funny. I've had different moments throughout my career where I've come in conflict, right? You know, and had to ask myself, go back to my motivation, like reminding myself, why am I in this? Why right. am I doing this particular work? And so for me, and it connects with this thought he has around happiness, right? This question, ultimately, like, what is the point of public policy? Yeah. What is the point? What ultimately is the point? Well, of course, you know, you whittle it through, but I like this general of happy. Like, ultimately, if you just want to, in a very simple way, like if you're an acting public policy, you hope that it's going to better something. And you better something for things to be better. You hope people feel better. And ultimately, what? You want people to be happy. Mm-hmm. So it, it's a very, like, it's like, huh, you can't check yourself. And so for me, and I how, Sorry, how do you, I hear you, and I mm-hmm. think that's incredibly resonant. How, how do you take yourself, you keep talking about this journey. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you take yourself on a journey yes. to find your motivation? Yeah. How do you get to the point that you're describing yes. on the journey you're describing? Yes. You have to keep asking yourself the question. Every time you think you have the answer, mm. you have to push yourself to go further because it's easy to stop. I think we like transactional things, right? So uh, my motivation, well, my real motivation is to enact change. Well, what does that mean? <laughs> well, the change that I really want to see is uplifting people. Well, what does that mean? Well, yeah, yeah, I yeah. want to see folks do better. Well, what does that mean? Well, I want them to make more money. Well, what does that look like for them? Like, sure. And so for me, it's getting very specific, but it's also being very specific and concrete and grounded in the my values and my motivation. So one of the things that I have done multiple times throughout my career when I found myself in conflict with my motivations, I started out as a social worker working in elementary and middle school students. Mm-hmm. That is how my work started, working with young people who by, in most cases, no fault of them own, their own had decisions others made for them had very hard circumstances in their lives. Um, And that has been the heart of the motivation of my work. And so you'll see in my office now, I have a picture of when I did AmeriCorps in New Hampshire, in Windsor, New Hampshire, at Wadiko Children's Services with a group of young people. I've been sitting in a cabinet meeting when I worked for, when I was in the cabinet of the former mayor of the District of Columbia, Vincent C. Gray. Uh, and it's just been a lot of stuff swirling. And I'm like, I'm in this role. And I'm like, I want to affect change. And these people, it's like, how do I challenge myself to be present and not get caught up in the political, mm. excuse my language, BS, <laughs> um, and keep myself authentic? That's hardly bad language. So I-, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you have to be excused for right. that language. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and, you know, and keep myself where I'm willing to ask the question that sure. I know is difficult. I would tape 
I taped a picture of one of my students um, from my social work days in my like in my binder like or at the base of my yeah. name tag and so it was kind of like a check when i'm in that place where, god i want to ask this question or i want to check somebody on something but i know the political or the resistance is going to be and i what, what oh, i'm doing this for marcus yeah this is about marcus it's so, not about jeffrey not so about them it's interesting because i hear a couple things in that one is um not just about finding your motivation but the courage to stand up in moments like that um which is obviously related to understanding your motivation at a really deep personal level and um i think that really practical tool is something our listeners can walk away with which is saying connect to the personal put a put a face to your motivation um something or someone that you've connected with as part of your experience whether you're leading a company and you're thinking about your clients and customers whether you are the manager of a team and you're trying to motivate your employees or the folks around you um you know put a name and a face to that or if you're a nonprofit leader or a stay-at-home mom right put a a name and a face to the people and the reason that that you're doing this i would actually argue my stay-at-home mom friends are the best at doing this right it's mm-hmm. very easy when you can remind yourself yes. not e- maybe not easy every day but it's <laughs> it's easier when you have a name and a face right in front of you and it's that um, child, your own flesh and blood. So I think that's a really helpful practical tip is to put a kind yeah. of personal name and face to that motivation. And I think, you know, and that connects so well and I think frames the sort of larger conversation um, uh, Arthur and Carly had sort of about a, about politics, right? Mm-hmm. Folks are so focused on Washington, fo- so focused on folks in Washington with the title um, and position and, and, and the power. And it's so easy to get locked into this state of contempt and adversarial status when we're, if we're only, if we're focused on those, something so far away, so disconnected. And if we just, like you say, bring it back local, bring yeah. it back to your center of what, is important to you, right? What's in front of you, you see so much more opportunity, so much more, even when you see the person that's on the other side that has a different opinion and who may now you see it's adversarial. But when you bring it back to what is in your local sphere of control, whether that is your local town, whether that's mm-hmm. your family, your neighborhood, there's so much possibility because the reality of potential and change is actually within reach it's in reach it's not out of reach you're looking at washington it's like oh that's out of reach yeah i've tried or didn't try and i it ain't changed or (laughs) haven't changed but if you get back local and look oh no i can feed that person down the street yeah i can partner with my neighbor and get that uh get the speed bump so folks stop speeding i can there are things that i can do and that is just so powerful i think well, and I think that connects so well. It, I keep, I've keep i kept coming back to this for the last couple of minutes um, around current future state. So one of the tools that Jeffrey and I use a lot with the clients and um, folks that we work with in both the nonprofit and the for-profit space, uh, and I would argue with our families and friends, mm-hmm. um, is this idea of current future state. So Carly tells this great story about um, how folks can be like termites sometimes, dig in their dirt, head down, and that the reality is if you want to find that motivation, if you want to find the problems right in front of you, if you want to stop feeling so locked up, um, the way to do that is to pick your head up and look around you. Mm-hmm. Look at the problems and the people and the motivations and the stuff right in front of you. You have to be really clear-eyed and realistic about what that is right in front of you 
and you have to be optimistic about what it could be like, yes. right? And that that balance of being able to assess with clear-eyed realism your current state and being optimistic and envisioning and seeing possibilities in the future, I think it is kind of the crux of the work that we do. I honestly, Jeffrey, the way you're describing it, how to find that motivation, how to take that journey, it aligns, I think, so well with this idea of leveraging the current future state analysis in order to unlock yourself and get out of that place where you feel so deeply locked up. Definitely. Yes, yes, yes. Take advantage of it. If you don't know where to start, um, start there. You know, it's a great tool to use. And it, it simply starts with where are you in your current state? Um, and it opens up so much, so much opportunity and possibility. Awesome. Well, I know we've we've kind of talked ourselves <laughs> silly here. Um, so thanks, everyone, for joining us as usual. I loved the conversation between Carly and Arthur Brooks. I'm so excited to be back in the studio with you, Jeffrey, and looking SMR. forward to our conversation next week. But for this week, uh, that's all for now. But you can always check out more episodes online at CarlyFiorina.com or on iTunes. Please subscribe so you get all the episodes. You can also send us feedback on Facebook, Twitter, or now on Instagram at Carly Fiorina or by email at by example at carlyfiorina.com. So until next time, there's always a seat at the table for for uh, all of our listeners. And on behalf of Jeffrey Deshawn, I'm Casey Enders. Be the example. Thanks so much. <laughs>